There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Titans of Food Service. I'm your host, Nick Portillo. And on this episode, I have the pleasure of hosting a true industry titan, Russ Hawkins. As the president and CEO of Agilance, a leading data technology company, Russ brings over 35 years of experience in the technology sector. He's not just a leader, but a visionary who has consistently driven change from the inside, propelling both established organizations and small startups to reach their full potential. Russ is the mastermind behind Agilence, spearheading the development of strategies that fuel their growth of this SaaS analytics and reporting powerhouse. Through Agilence, he empowers retailers, grocers, and restaurants to enhance their operational effectiveness and uncover preventable losses, utilizing the wealth of data already at their fingertips. Whoa. Before his impactful role at Agilence, Russ exhibited his transformative leadership at Silverstorm Technologies, where he served as president and CEO successfully navigating the company to a lucrative acquisition by QLogic Corporation. Prior to that, he steered Paragon Networks to a successful sale to Carrier Access Corporation, showcasing his prowess in developing wide area backhaul solutions for wireless networks. Outside the boardroom, Russ is not just a tech maestro, but a man of diverse interests. Whether he's on the golf course perfecting his swing, immersed in a good book, or championing the, the cause of water, resource conservation, Russ embodies a dynamic lifestyle and personality. Join us as we delve into the fascinating journey and insights of Russ Hawkins, a true titan in the world of food service technology. Let's go ahead and welcome Russ. Russ, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day, out of your week to come on here and share a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Nick. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. It sounds like a very interesting uh, organization that you have. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So what I'd like to do with all of my guests that come on is start off with what I call the fiery five food service questions. They're, they're five fun and easy, um, kind of like icebreaker questions. No, no right answer, no wrong answer. Um, okay, you're going to surprise like, me here, huh? I'm going to surprise good. you. Uh, all right. So I know we talked off uh, off camera before we started recording that you live in Martha's Vineyard. If I my knew. wife and I, this is question number one, if my wife and I had one night in Martha's Vineyard, where must we eat? Well, it depends on the time of year, but uh, I think the finest uh, place on the vineyard uh, in terms of fine dining would be a place called the Outermost Inn. And okay. the Outermost Inn is on the extreme west end of the island, and it's... Uh, it's run by the the Taylor family of uh, music fame. Uh, so one of one of the brothers uh, uh, runs what used to be an inn. It's no longer an inn. It's now only a restaurant, and the staff lives there. So, but it's great fine dining. If you're looking for something a little more casual, uh, I would recommend the Lookout, the Lookout Cafe, which has a big open veranda that faces out on the ocean, and you can see the ferries coming in and out. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I was I was reading online that you graduated from Boston College back in in 1980. I've actually I've been there before when I was looking at schools. I applied to Boston College, and great school. 
during that time, what was your favorite piece of tech at that time? And the reason I asked that question is I know you're, you're now in the technology sector. Um, so I'm curious what your favorite piece of tech at that time was. You mean in terms of personal use tech? Yeah, just so we're talking about way long time ago now, Nick. We're talking about yeah. ancient history, right? So <laughs> uh, this is before cell phones, before the internet. You know, so I think <laughs> this is going to sound a little dated, but you know, rec- little uh, portable recorders were, was uh, was big with nice. me because it allowed me to to uh, make note make uh, uh, audio notes and also to record uh, classes if needed. I love that. If you could have dinner with any person, historical or living, who would it be and why? Any person, historical. Okay, boy. I think Teddy Roosevelt. I'm a, I'm a fan of the U.S. presidents, and I have, over the last several years, I've been reading the biographies of presidents in order, starting with George Washington. And I'm, I'm now up to, to George Bush, but, uh, and I could talk about a lot of them, but uh, Teddy Roosevelt has a special place um, ma- mainly because he was uh, so progressive and, um, you know, he was looking out for everybody. He's the guy who created the national parks. Uh, he did a, did a lot of good things. Some, some say that he kind of violated, uh, you know, the kind of consensus approach to things because he did a lot of things uh, on his own. In fact, he had his own party called the Bull Moose Party and he, he acted like a bull moose some of the time. So I would find that fascinating to have dinner with him. Doesn't Obama visit Martha's Vineyard for vacation? Wasn't that a place that he would go to? He does. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the Obamas, the Clintons definitely have been frequent uh, visitors here. There is a, a very large uh, uh, black population on the island, and uh, it's a long, long history of a a place for rest and relaxation for black Americans. Uh, and the Obamas actually uh, own a home here now. And uh, we play golf at the same golf club. So I've seen them around a little bit. Never played with them, but I've seen them around a little bit. That's so cool. If you were to start a SaaS analytics and reporting book club, what would be the first book you'd have the group read? Oh, boy. Uh, well, if you're in the restaurant business, there's a there's a book uh, uh, by a fellow by the name of uh, Mogli- Modigliani. He founded a company, actually. His name is Damien Mogavero. Uh, and he wrote a book called The Underground Culinary Tour. And he has a company called Avero, which is part of his name. But mm-hmm. uh, w- what it's all about is how to, how to use uh, data to improve the operations of your restaurant. So if it's, if it's that kind of thing, that's what I would recommend. Damien Mogavero. Damien Mogavero. Okay. What is the one golf course at the top of your list you'd most want to play or have played before? Well, the one I would most want to play is Pebble Beach. I've never played Pebble Beach. I'm not that very, I'm not that good a golfer. I don't play enough to be a good golfer. Uh, But, uh, you know, I grew up in Boston and I learned to play golf uh, as a caddy. Uh, So I spent many years uh, as a caddy starting when I was 11 years old. Uh, This was at a place called The Country Club, The Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is a, a well-known venue for uh, U.S. Opens. The U.S. Open was there just a couple of years ago. It hosts the Riders' Cup. Every year I do get to play there because we have a an annual caddy reunion where a hundred or so of, uh, of, uh, of us uh, former caddies uh, get to play there. And so I do get to play there quite often. The Pebble Beach is on my, is on my list and I've ne- never been. I've been out there, but not, uh, not uh, actually on the course. 
Yeah, I'm the same. I've, I've been to the area, but I've never been on the actual course. Outside of the U.S., I think Old Head in Ireland would be the place uh, that I'd Ooh. want to play. Is that a Lynx course? It, it's yeah, it's the ocean side. Uh, yeah. I guess you would call it a Lynx course. Uh, yeah, but very, very distinctive. Built on an old, essentially a promontory that used to be a castle, and uh, you know the kind of promontory is kind of uh, kind of protected by this old ancient ruin that used to be the gateway that you had to go into. But it's a really Really magnificent uh, golf course with a lot of history and tradition. Yeah. Thank you, Russ, for humor- humoring me on those uh, the Fire Five food service. Well, well, you were true that they were softball, so I'm glad you didn't embarrass me by ad- ad- asking something <laughs> horrifically difficult. <laughs> yes. So maybe a little background for those listening along or watching along. Who are you? What is your business? How did you get to? Let's just start with who are you. So my name is Russ Hawkins. I'm the, the CEO of a company called Agilence, uh, which is a contraction of agile intelligence. Hmm. That's how that comes. Most people mispronounce it. Agilience, you know, a lo- lot of different, a lot of different ways. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm just a, a dumb Irish guy, I guess, that's uh, been around a long time. Uh, grew up in Boston area, a, a, a son, grandson and great grandson of uh, firemen. Uh, so I broke the mold in that regard and have been uh, in the technology business uh, since the early 80s when I when I got my first job out of uh, out of college. And that's evolved over time. So I've touched a lot of different areas, uh, first in the telecom area, the data communications area, the high performance computing area, and then more recently in the uh, software and analytics uh, business, which is uh, which is what we're all about today, what Algilence is all about. How did you find the the inspiration to start Agilence? Well, the you know the 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 data world is exploding, right? And the communication world is simultaneously exploding, simultaneously exploding. And so, you know, I've had all these various experiences in the uh, communications and uh, technology area. Uh, my company right before Agilence was a high performance computing company. So what mm-hmm. what that means is. Yeah, you know, the, the 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 way high performance uh, computers are made now, they're basically warehouses filled with racks full of computers. So, you've seen them probably in in social media and in the you know the motion picture industry. You know, they're kind of these giant hives of of buzzing uh, servers uh, connected by a high speed uh, uh, what they call an interconnect, and uh, that's what we made. We made one of these interconnects that held it all together. Yeah. So when I when I sold that company. I wanted to be to get into the software industry or, or more more focus on the software side rather than hardware, uh, and I was looking at the the kind of confluence of of these uh, technological changes that were happening between uh, the proliferation of the internet, the expansion of the internet, the amount of data that was being produced in most companies, the uh, the software applications that were already out there producing lots of data. And yet the the problem is, is that most people weren't able to use that data uh, to make decisions. And so it was a real, mm-hmm. real strange problem that the world had and continues to have to some degree because we, mm-hmm. we produce more and more and more data. But when you ask the average person in any enterprise, uh, uh, a, you know, a store manager, for example, in a restaurant, you know, they don't have the the access to it. And if they do have the access to it, it usually requires a, a level of competence, experience, education that that most people don't have. And so I, I, I saw an opportunity to try to bridge this, to try to mm. democratize the access to the data 
that would allow uh, customers to to make uh, better decisions. Now, uh, Agilence already existed. So I, when I got involved with Agilence, I, I didn't, uh, the original company had a different product than what we have. And so uh, I came in when it was a very, very small seven person company, uh, really in the video business, believe it or not. And uh, I, I basically went out and raised some money and uh, changed the strategy of the company dramatically to focus on uh, data analysis and leveraging data to make uh, better decisions uh, in the in the day to day operation of the of the of the companies. And so we started out a little bit in retail, but uh, uh, have uh, in recent years done a, a more and more and more uh, with restaurants and with uh, restaurant chains, both uh, quick service and fast casual restaurants, as well as uh, table service restaurants. And and I learn something new every day. And so that's kind of what keeps me going. And I love uh, love creating the community of interest that we've done with uh, with all of the people that use our software. We really encourage cross pollinization. We mm-hmm. we and, and it just really kind of rings my bell. It give, gives me great excitement to uh, to uncover uh, a new way of doing things or a new way of looking at things, and then sharing that with everybody in our community. What type of data do you look at or or provide to your customer base to help them make better decisions? So most of the data that we use is is their data, right? So it's okay. uh, we do we do add depth and breadth to it, and I'll explain that by what I mean by that in a minute. But I mean, if you go into any restaurant today, there's tons of data being spewed out of various systems. Uh, first and foremost, you've got POS system, mm-hmm. which has a depending upon the vendor, uh, you know, it has it, they all have a a, a significant uh, amount of data in it, and some of them have more than others. I guess is what I would say. Uh, but the POS data is uh, important. Uh, there's kitchen uh, process data, timers, t- kitchen timers the, in the QSR business. There's uh, drive-through timers. There's uh, you know all the back office accounting systems that are used to to run the business. There's uh, ordering systems today that's being you know multiplied by third-party ordering systems and by uh, app-based customer loyalty programs. So, so there, there's there's literally uh, dozens in in most cases of data sources that are that are available. Uh, typically, uh, the way we start with our customers is we start with the POS data, we start with the human resources file, so we we know everybody who works at the company. Okay. Uh, we start with uh, the uh, loyalty information, so we know those uh, those uh, customers that have declared their official you know relationship with the company, uh, and then of course the menu items, and in many cases that includes uh, detail about uh, ingredients and recipes. And then finally, uh, the store information itself. So in multi, multi-store multi environments, my, my view, by the way, is that everybody needs to, to, to pay attention to data. Uh, if you're a single location owner, it's a lot easier for you to do that because you, you, you can... You can, you know, you're in there with your sleeves rolled up for the most part, and you can you can experience it kind of viscerally and, and daily. Uh, but once you have a second location, then you you, you need software like ours or like Avero uh, that can help uh, help you figure out what's going on uh, everywhere. Uh, because I can tell you for sure there are things that are happening in the place that you're not. Uh, that you wish weren't happening, and so you 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 want to uh, you want to be able to have visibility into some of these things. So we take all of this stuff, uh, and we 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 add depth and breadth. And what I mean by that is we we apply 
uh, mathematical and statistical operators to the data, thereby expanding the database uh, laterally. Uh, and then we add we add other depth by uh, creating key performance indicators that are essentially uh, actually processes, ma- mathematical mm. processes that uh, create uh, an abstracted amount of data at an, at another level. And so, so these databases become very. Uh, very big, and they and and we rationalize them or, or make them compatible with each other, so that uh, so that the average person can ask their questions in English uh, or using uh, you know basic mathematical equations. Um, they don't have to be data scientists. They don't have to understand how the the sausage get made in the background. Uh, they can just simply ask the questions, and they can get the kind of answers they need in the time frames that they need to make those decisions. And so, it's it's uh, it's that that existing data. And then as time goes on, we typically add lots of other other things. We have some customers that have twenty or thirty different data sources that they bring into the system every time. And I don't want to replace all of these things. I want to be in a position to take ex- essentially all the data exhaust from all of these other systems and uh, put them in a place where we can harmonize them and make them available to the to the people that are that are making decisions on a daily basis. You mentioned that you have uh, a certain customers or a customer that has 20 different data points. What are some of the most important data points uh, or most widely requested data points that you provide? Well, you know, look, the most important data source in terms of in terms of you know what's making up the database is the POS system. Sure. Uh, the POS system has a very, very, very rich mine of data. It has not only each transaction item; it has uh, uh, you know all of the the uh, menu items, the ingredients, the cost, the time that it happened, mm-hmm. the length of time that the the transaction took. Uh, that the the server, maybe even the the meal preparer, uh, these systems in many cases have have very 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 rich veins of data that are often either not even even understood that they exist, and then uh, definitely uh, under leveraged. And so, uh, you know, the kinds of things that that we think about, I think about, uh, is kind of in three areas. The the first ones are all about. Uh, revenue optimization. How do you okay. improve revenue? And um, you know, a few examples of that would be, you know, unlocking upsell opportunities. Every restaurant owner wants to upsell, right? You yep. you, you want to get that. Uh, if you're if you're you know running a, a bakery, you want to sell something for tomorrow morning's breakfast in addition to the snack that somebody might be buying today. Uh, if you're in a, a table service, you want to sell that. You know that bottle of wine that's going that's going to uh, increase your margins uh, because, as you know, the margins on wine are significantly better than the margins on food, for for mm-hmm. example. So, so unlocking those upsell opportunities is an example. Uh, optimizing the use of promotions. How, how are the promotions mm. being used? Are they effective? Yeah, are these you know limited time offers actually delivering the results that you expected? You know, typically. Uh, whether you're running a single operation or uh, or a chain, someone's coming up with an idea for a promotion, and you have a hypothesis about how that promotion is going to work. And you know, if I do this, I will raise all the boats, and I will sell more across the, the way. But it's a hypothesis until it's proven. And and oftentimes in the historic kind of data access environment, you you don't really know for until days or weeks later. I'd, I'd like you to know immediately. 
whether that whether that uh, is working the way that you expected it. If you have multi locations, are you actually implementing it at every location? You know, we we come into situations all the time where stores don't put out the the, the promotional items so that the customers coming in, the, the the people visiting the stores don't even know that the promotion exists. And so uh, that's another example. And then, of course, we already I already kind of mentioned the third party ordering and delivery systems that you know can be real margin eaters. And so you want to make sure that if you're using Uber Eats or DoorDash or any of these uh, companies, that you're actually getting uh, a revenue lift and hopefully a margin lift uh, uh, in in those areas. So that's one whole set of areas that where, the, yeah. where those kinds of data points are important. Second area is protecting your margins and uh, yeah. you know making sure that, for example, unfortunately, that you don't have silent partners working in your store, people that are you know working for a wage but are also supplementing their wages by you know, by doing things by by sweethearting or Robin Hooding, as it's called, where mm-hmm. you know where you where you're giving away uh, food and beverage for friends of yours, and you know it's a double whammy, right? You, you're 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 not collecting the money, and you're giving away the merchandise, so it's it's right. it can it can kill you. Food costs, uh, you know, what, what's your biggest cost in running a running a restaurant? It's food cost, uh, most likely, or it's either, it's either food or labor. And so being able to effectively manage your labor costs, to be able to predict what you, what your cover requirements are, uh, you know, if you've got a large o- operation, even if it's a single operation, you know, should you have the entire thing open? Is it, uh, do you have multiple bars? Do you have uh, multiple eating scenarios in there? How, how do you make assessments about uh, when to close and open those things? And then, you know, food costs, things can happen all the time. I mean, we, we have situations where customers have had employees that think things like soft drinks are free, mm-hmm. right? Especially post-COVID when, the, you know, suddenly had to hire all these new servers. And, you know, it's, it might be in a restaurant that has a, a liquor service. And they're, they're like, well, soda's like water. We just give that away. And, you know, that that has a not only an impact on your margins and, and uh, revenues, it it uh, has a, a distinct impact on your food costs and uh, mm-hmm. lots of opportunity for waste. I mean, all of these things kind of tie together. Uh, the the third area is around uh, compliance. You know, are the people doing what they're supposed to be doing uh, in the store? And I, I think of compliance on two levels. Uh, uh, one of them is um, on the uh, external compliance. So if you're selling liquor, are they properly seeking IDs, right? If they're not, you're putting the restaurant at risk. Uh, but the more important one, in my view, is internal compliance. And that is making sure everybody from the, you know, the, the, the bus boys to the maitre d' to the managers, they understand what the, what the rules of the road are and what the objectives of the business are and uh, what's expected of them. And so this, uh, this idea of having alignment uh, is is very important, and that relates very much to brand, and that relates to customer experience. So there's there's so many data points that could have value that what you need to do is separate the wheat from the chaff and get at the ones that are going to deliver the the biggest value and, and allow you to make the best decisions uh, every day. Sure, I <clears throat> my wife and I we re- recently purchased Aura rings. I don't know if you're familiar with Aura rings, but it has these little light sensors. I'm wearing it right now. Yeah, has these I little light familiar. sensors on the inside and you know my body is emitting everything from you know calorie calories burned to quality of sleep to stress levels and this ring now is able to track all of that and it helps me make better decisions of when to go to bed um you know maybe when to 
take a break from work throughout the day, things like that. It's, it's really unique. And I, I didn't realize the value of personal data to make my life a better, you know, make it a better way to live. And so it sounds like, you know, with what the solution that you're offering to your customer base, it's helping them make better business decisions. It's making their life a lot easier. How do you plug into someone's POS system or into their drive-through timers or kitchen timers? Well, first on the aura rings, I'm, uh, you're you're the the latest in a, in a string of people that I uh, know that have been adopting that those uh, those rings, and uh, everybody kind of ha- speaks the kind of same way that you're you are about mm-hmm. the personal value that they've gotten out of it. And I agree that that's kind of in a, in a microcosm, kind of what I'm talking about here in terms of, in terms of collecting and making data available so you can make better decisions. We have a, a, a very wide range of ways of getting okay. the, the data. Uh, and it, it depends uh, very much on, on what's, uh, you know, right off the box available. Uh, most of these systems that we're talking about have uh, some ability to kind of output raw data from from the systems. Uh, depending, again, upon the size of the company, we can tap right into that direct feed and then aggregate that with the other direct feeds from, from other, other data sources. With larger organizations, you'll find companies increasingly adopting uh, what's known as data lakes, and uh, they're creating their own databases for for different reasons. Uh, we can reach into them and pull out the data that we want. We can uh, set, we have a data spec, a data specification that if you're a large organization or a multi-location organization, uh, you can format the data with your own IT department and deliver it to us. We, we've never found a situation where we couldn't wrestle this to the ground one way or the other. Even today, uh, with the proliferation of uh, companies like Azure and AWS, which are increasingly running software applications, uh, they're developing tools that make this uh, data dissemination uh, and availability uh, much improved. So there's all kinds of uh, things changing in the in the, the data realm. We try to stay com- concurrent with it. And the result is we've developed, we've developed many ways of, of doing it. And so it really depends on the situation. And, and by, by the way, I think this is applicable at, at, in the smallest, you know, single location operation all, all the way up to, I think our largest uh, company has uh, 5,000, 5 or 6,000 wow. uh, locations, something, something along those lines. And that's on the, on the restaurant side. On the, mm-hmm. on, the, on the retail side, our biggest customer has 15,000 locations. So, wow. uh, but, but again, I don't want to get overwhelmed by the, large, the larger customers. I, I believe the value in analyzing the data and democratizing the data can help any organization regardless of what size it is. What's next for Agilence? Well, we're moving in a lot of different directions. Um, we have recently added a case management capability. So this is to track incidents, regardless of where the what the incidents are. Could be somebody slipping and falling in your store, or could be uh, just uh, related to auditing your operations. So we have a store audit capability uh, in there. Again, many of these things are for for larger companies. You know, ensuring that you're delivering a consistent customer experience is very important. So uh, task management is another area that we're, we're moving into now. But one of the biggest areas is using, using AI, uh, which we're, we're about to make our first announcement on AI just this week. In that area, what we're, what we're doing is essentially scoring 
almost any aspect of the business. So for example, you could score the effectiveness of your servers. So if you're in a QSR environment, you can uh, score the effectiveness of uh, your uh, cashiers that are running running the cashiers. You can score the effectiveness of a promotion. You can score the effectiveness and the reasonableness of any transaction. Uh, on the on the margin protection side, you know you want to look at some of the things I talked about earlier about you know are people are people pocketing money right? Are they misusing the tips? Are they giving away stuff and charging the same amount but pocketing you know thirty percent tips or fifty percent tips on there? So AI can be used to handle any kind of large data set. If you if you're and it gets better over time, right? So the way this the way this stuff works is you enlist your team to kind of kind of score events as you go along and as the software comes to know what's a good event versus a bad event then it can start to predict whether the next event is going to be good or bad and that can help you uh, make decisions not only in real time but maybe before they even happen so mm-hmm. we're we're very very interested in what's happening with with artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, we think some of the the mobile apps will start adopting some of these technologies and uh, and making it easier to uh, order your favorites, maybe even not have to even interact with them to just you know exist and show up. And we already know everything there is to know about you. Now, some of this is a little a uh, little you know 1984ish, but uh, I like to draw a line between the, the the personal data and the operational data, and I, it's yeah. it's mostly about operational data from my perspective. We want to serve customers better. Everybody wants to serve their customers better. We want to serve our employees better. I mean, I I think it's a virtuous circle. If you ask me, uh, if you take care of your people, you give them clear uh, direction on what they want to do, they will take care of the customers. And yeah. if the customers are taken care of, then they're going to take care of the business. And so everybody's going to be happy. It's a it's a virtuous circle, right? People take care of the customers. Customers take care of the business. Business takes care of the people. It just it it right. just it just is a cycle that continues to work over and over again. Very well said. For those listening along, what's the best way to reach out to you or to connect in to learn more about Agilence? So it's uh, we have, our website is Agilence Inc. It's A G I L E N C E I N C dot com. I'm R Hawkins at Agilence Inc. dot com. I'd love to hear from uh, any of your listeners. Be happy to to chat with them. It's the way that I learn, and it's the way our company learns is uh, is to is to make sure that we listen and uh, and share. And so I'd uh, love to hear from any of your uh, any of your listeners. Well, Russ, thank you again for taking time out of your your day to come on, meet with me, share about yourself and Agilence. I really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you. Well, Nick, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I always love you. You know, I'm, uh, as I said, I'm an Irish guy and I love to talk. So <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks very of, much. Of course. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. You too.